0: Blue wire. The Detroit Pistons select Seku Dubuya.
1: The boy gets run off the line. down the lane. line. Goodness. Look at that. Pistons come right back at him with a Bruce. Oh, no, no, wow. oh, Jam. oh, Dishes to Luke for the long gun. It goes.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Pistons versus Everybody, the Detroit Pistons podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host Lazarus Jackson, and uh, today I'm being joined by Mike V Hill of the Timeline Podcast, the Phoenix Suns Podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. What's up, Mike? How's it going? Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, thanks for thanks for coming on. And the reason I got you on is because apparently our teams are thinking about making a trade with one another. Apparently, so we got we got the woes thunderclap at like twelve forty five a.m. East Coast Time <laughs> this morning. Um, and you know, we were talking about this a little bit in the pre-show about how, like, you know, neither one of our teams is really like known for doing a bunch of mid-season trades. Yeah, and so it was, it was a little surprising. Uh, so the proposed the the framework of the trade we got from Woj was Javon Carter, Eliot Kobo, and a first-round pick, no protections mentioned. Mm. Interesting mm-hmm. for Luke Kennard, but that's not the entirety of the trade. We're just going to limit our discussion to that uh, to that framework. So, Mike, what can you tell me about uh, Elliot Cobo?
1: Uh, Elliot Cobo is interesting. He so the Suns drafted him late uh, last season, at the beginning of last season. So he's in the middle of his second season. I didn't expect him to play much this year, but he's getting quite a bit of run because the Suns bench is so weak. And I think that's why these canard rumors are, are out right now. They're trying to find some sort of scoring off the bench. He's a French point guard, uh, didn't go to college, he played in Europe, and now he's in the NBA. He He's a project. Like For example, he did not make the French national team. Uh, he was cut for Frank Nilikina. And if you kind of think about the, how many NBA players can you even think of in the NBA that are French? There's not a lot of them right now. So there's not a lot of high-level French NBA players, and he did not even make that French uh, national team. So it kind of gives you an idea of the kind of player he is. I, I still think there's a lot of potential with Okoba. He's an okay shooter. He can shoot off the catch. Not the greatest off the dribble from long range. He can penetrate. It gets a little harder to finish when he's underneath the basket. He can kick it out a little bit. He's a little... Uh, out of control, I think, in a lot of cases when driving towards the basket. But I think a lot of Suns fans and, of course, the general management that actually drafted Kobo, who was the previous general manager, Ryan McDonough, kind of look at him as like a long-term project that you can try and develop. Of course, everyone thinks of Tony Parker when you think of a small French point guard. (laughs) And I think that's kind of how they view him. Maybe they could develop him the way that Tony Parker developed over time. You know, another second-round draft pick that developed later in his career to to be a really good player. He he doesn't I don't think he has that kind of potential in him, you know? He's we've seen what he's done so far and it's not super super impressive. Uh but I think there's potential for him to be an NBA player. I don't think he's the type of player where you look at him and say he's going to be out of the league in a few years. I think he he does have a role potentially off the bench on a team, uh you know, running that backup unit.
0: So, he the first time he like really entered the rotation was due to the rubio injury right right so was the plan for him to like not play much of all this season anyway and uh he kind of like inserted his way back into the rotation thanks to the rubio injury like rubio's back and he's still playing but his minutes have been a little bit more inconsistent and so i'm guess I'm, I'm wondering like uh What's like the coaching staff's like level of confidence and like the how, the way he's been playing so far this year?
1: That is a great question, specifically because the backup point guard position for the Suns has been all over the place. They, so the Suns drafted Ty Jerome this season. A lot of people look at Ty Jerome as a as a potential backup point guard of the future. They also have Javon Carter. Tyler Johnson comes off the bench for this team, kind of a combo guard, has some point guard skills, and then there's Kobo. Even after that, the Suns signed an undrafted player named Jalen Lecue, who is essentially out of high school. He never played in college. He had five years in high school due to like a school change that allowed him to be drafted directly out of high school. He declared for the draft, was, went undrafted, and the Suns have him on their G League team right now. And It looks like they have plans to develop him long-term because they signed him to a four-year deal, which is rare for undrafted players. So there are a lot of guards, uh, backup point guards available for this team. The weird thing about them is none of them have really played consistently enough to, to really take hold of that backup point guard spot. So from game to game, you'll see those minutes fluctuate pretty drastically. And the main reason is Devin Booker obviously becoming an offensive superstar this year. When he's off the court, there's just not a lot of offense for this team. DeAndre Ayton, for all he can do, he doesn't carry an offense on his own just because centers don't really do that in the NBA anymore. That means that they need some sort of guard production, and they're really not getting it from anyone. So Eli Kobo has found his way into the lineup more than I expected earlier in the season. I expected Tyler Johnson to play like he has in the past. He's not. He's been pretty bad this year. (laughs) Uh, in, In basically all lineups where Tyler Johnson plays, the net negative is, is bad. it's It's all bad numbers. Uh, so he's just fallen out of the rotation every once in a while he gets spot minutes, but uh, there are series of games where he doesn't play at all. And Eliakobo tends to be the guy that takes those minutes along with Javon Carter actually kind of interestingly, those are the two guys that have played probably the most in those backup positions um, because Ty Jerome was injured for a while and he's a rookie, so you can't get much out of him. right. So Eliakobo, to be honest you know, it sounds like I'm not super high on him, but I think he's actually performed better than I expected him to this season. I expected that to be a long-term project where you just sort of put him in, you know, in situations where you're either up by a lot or down by a lot, you know, garbage time and Mm develop him like that over time. But he's actually performed a little bit better than I expected. You know, they still need to upgrade that backup guard spot drastically, uh, but he's been better than I expected.
0: Yeah, I I did notice that even if, they uh even if this trade went through as completed, like, you know, two point guards for a shooting guard, the Suns did have like three more point guards on yeah. the roster. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, OK, that that's a that's notable. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so Javon Carter has also kind of in, inserted his way into the rotation, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really sound like he's playing point guard. It sounds like he's more playing the role of the, you know, we envisioned him playing coming out of college of like defensive stopper. Not necessarily like ball right. handler, but right. like guy who guards the other guy's best guard. I mean, do I got that right?
1: I'm guessing that most of the people listening to this podcast have no idea who Javon Carter is. Is that Would that be an accurate guess, do you think?
0: That might, it might be accurate, yeah. Okay.
1: So Javon Carter, he played in West Virginia. He was a Mountaineer. He's, he's one of the most beloved players to ever come out of that program. Uh, people who went to West Virginia, they still to this day Love him. And you can tell that if you ever tweet about him because they'll uh, like that tweet. They'll retweet it. <laughs> they'll claim him as their own Im- immediately. And Javon Carter, he so he does sometimes play point guard. Now, the Suns do, of course, have uh, Devin Booker and Ricky Rubio to play next to him. So Devin Booker, even though he's a shooting guard, has a lot of point guard skills. So even when he's playing next to Devin Booker, it's kind of a shared role. The problem with Javon is he can become a little indecisive with the ball at the top of the key and he's not great at penetrating. He can't really get into the paint with his own live dribble. So his main thing, the reason he's so beloved in West Virginia lore is because he's a defensive player. He loves to get under guy's skin. He's very small and he gets right up underneath guys and, uh, he kind of shadows them. He'll trace them all 90 feet of the court. Uh, he can get steals because he's quick and he's, um, right underneath them basically he can he can really dodge screens really well but that's kind of it (laughs) you know actually to be honest his shooting is is much better than advertised as well he's done okay shooting on catch and shoot three pointers but but it's like only
0: catch and shoot stuff right oh yeah that's it yeah
1: Every once in a while, he'll isolate on a big man late in the shot clock, and he's done actually better than I expected at that as well. Uh, but that's more of a function of my expectations of what he was capable of than I think uh, saying that, you know, it's a skill that he has. I just expected none of that at all from him. Uh, you know, and I think, as you can hear, <laughs> these are why the Suns are looking for backup guard production because what I described were, were two very flawed players who are young and could potentially get better. Uh, If the Suns were a little more patient, I think they would be willing to put the time into either one of those guys or both of them to try and develop them into a better NBA player. But because the bench units are so bad, once Devin Booker leads the court, that's why they're packaging these two guys together to try and find and upgrade someone who can be instant offense off the bench and be more productive, especially when you have a guy like Ricky Rubio. Ricky Rubio, for all he does well, and he does a lot well. He's good on offense He's good on defense, but he's not a scorer. He's just not. You have to have in another scorer at the guard position next to him to maximize his capabilities. And if it's not Devin Booker, because it can't be for every single minute that Ricky Rubio's on the floor, uh, you're not maximizing Ricky Rubio either. So that's really why they're kind of looking for someone to upgrade those two guys.
0: Okay. No, and that that kind of brings me to something I did want to talk to you about, which is like what Lou Kennard's role would be. Yeah. On this team, you know, yeah. uh, last year we had the, uh, the like full on display of like Devin Booker point guard point book. Mm-hmm. Um, so like would, would Luke be a compliment to Booker in, in like two guard, two shooting guard lineups? Um, there has been a lot of thought in Pistons fandom that Luke Kennard could play a little point guard. So mm. if you just have two, like, two combo ish guards in the backcourt at the same time, that's something that could be effective. But the Woj report mentioned that the Suns kind of envisioned him in a uh, you know, high-minute role but still coming off the bench. So I guess, like, you know, what – in Ricky Rubio, they just signed Ricky Rubio to that uh, that three-year deal for not insignificant money. Right. Um, and, and it sounds like you're saying that the Suns are having real trouble scoring when Devin Booker sits. Mm-hmm so so how I guess how valuable do you see Lukenar being in like a thirty minute a night bench roll for the suns
1: very, 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 very valuable uh for a few reasons uh one, if you take Tyler Johnson out of the rotation entirely, which he kind of did himself, there <laughs> is no backup shooting guard on this team we just we just talked about all of the backup guards on this team
0: well uh, cam, all- cam- Johnson is like functionally a shooting guard, right.
1: He is, but he's 6'9", uh, so he, he tends to play the, the forward role. Uh, right now, he is injured, and that's part of the trouble uh, with the offense uh, oh, for the gross. Suns. There's not a lot of clarity on his injury and how long he's going to be out. I, I would imagine it wouldn't stretch longer than the All-Star break, but it's really hard to predict. The Suns aren't exactly super transparent uh, with injury news, so it's hard to predict that. Uh, but really, Cam Johnson Cam Johnson has played... Two, three, and four on this team. And I think when you draft a six, nine shooter, if you don't have the idea of him playing Power forward at some point in his career, what's the point? I, I think a little bit. Uh, you kind of need him to be able to play Power forward at some point. Uh, so if you take if you take Tyler Johnson out of it, then it's just Javon Carter, Yakobo. Um, even Jalen Lequeux, if you want to count him, he's been called up from the G League for the past few games because the Suns are struggling with a lot of injuries right now. Those are not really shooting guards. So I think he would be massive for the team. I think he would be like a featured offensive player. And I actually think if you think about it, Cam Johnson and Luke Kennard playing next to each other, that becomes kind of interesting coming off the bench. That's a lot more shooting uh, than this team has had in the past. And that's the other problem. Uh, this team has two stars that you could potentially build a good offensive out of if you think about Devin Booker and DeAndre Eaton. But the open three-point shots surrounding those guys are just not going in right now. Dario Saric, for for all he can be good at, he's not quite hitting threes like he needs to be in order for this team to be like an offensive machine. Ricky Rubio, not quite a three-point shooter as we all know. Uh, and, and those are, those are the two main guys. And the other guy is Kelly Oubre and he's inconsistent when it comes to that three point shooting, that's the starting lineup. So if you think about a guy like Luke Kennard, I think that if you're willing to give up that first round pick for Luke Kennard, you have to play him with Devin Booker, uh, at some point. And do you think actually this is, this would be a good question for you. Luke Kennard, his passing has gotten a lot better this year in the in the minimum amount of time that we've seen him play. He appears to be a pretty good passer. He's averaging a career high in assists at four, a little over four assists per game. Uh, obviously, as you said, some Piston, Pistons fans uh, view him as somebody who has point guard skills. Can he play the one position? And outside of that, do you think he could play three? Do you think he could be a small forward in certain lineups? Uh, you know, he's relatively, he's 6'5", so he's not massive, obviously, but do you think that's something that he has potential to do?
0: I That is something he did last year, and so, like, absolutely, yes, he, he can slide up to three, but I would say that's not really maximizing his potential, uh, especially when you have for the Suns a guy like uh, Mikael Bridges yeah. on the roster. Like, right. you would rather have that guy playing the three, or like an Ubre playing the three next to Kennard instead of uh, trying like a three guard lineup with Canard uh, Booker and another guy. Um, as as far as like I, I do think a like Booker Canard backcourt could work. Yeah. Offensively, those are both two guys who uh, operate well with the ball in their hands. Like that's that's one thing I think that doesn't get enough play around the league with Luke is that like he's not just uh, a spot up shooter. He's re- a really effective pick and roll ball handler. Um, you mentioned the passing. The passing has been uh, an, an, a great element. Um, the, the thing he's really missing is the ability to get like all the way to the rim and finish but he's such a lethal mid-range shooter that he's still able to kind of create space and create separation and he's done a lot he's did a uh, he's done a better job this year of like leaning on step backs and stuff to create separation and get all the way back from to to hit some threes um so yeah I do think a, a Booker canard backcourt could work on offense on right. defense is when like the trouble comes. Um, Luke's not a he's not a terrible defender Uh, he's not he's not a great he's a he's a pretty good team defender or he has been a pretty good team defender in the past but like as an on ball guy he just doesn't have the the length or like the lateral athleticism to to really match with um, most other teams like starting point guards or starting shooting guards right Right. part of that's part of the reason why he honestly like wasn't starting for the most part in Detroit uh, until injuries kind of forced his hand. Or forced uh, Casey's hand, and so uh, and you know Booker has also had his struggles defensively. That's mm-hmm. always kind of been the knock on him, from what mm-hmm. I can tell. And so uh, I do I do wonder like if that's going to be your quote unquote like backcourt of the future. Like the issues you're going to have defensively with that, um, perhaps they get cut con- they get covered a little bit by Aiton's uh, progress in that area. Mm-hmm. But um, Mikael
1: Bridges is obviously and, yeah,
0: he's and the Blue.
1: he makes up for or, everyone's mistakes.
0: Is he more of a team defender, like a Robert Covington, or is he more of like an on-ball defender type of guy?
1: So that's the great thing about Mikhail Bridges. He has the length and the speed to do both. He struggles a little bit with larger power, because he's been playing power forward uh, a lot more uh, than the past. He pads. has? Yeah, and he's, wow, uh, he's okay. skinny, but the, the, the length is what allows him to be able to do it. So there are times if someone's killing us, like for example, when the Suns play the Mavs, Mikhail Bridges starts guarding Luka Doncic, but if they play another team that doesn't have like an obvious forward star, maybe maybe like um, the Trailblazers, he might start somewhere off ball and be more of a roaming uh, kind of guy trying to pick off on passes and stuff like that. And then towards the end of the game, switch him out onto Damien or CJ, whoever's killing us. Uh, that's kind of his skills there. He can do both. So it really just depends on the matchup and the situation and the Nice thing about him being such a Swiss army knife is you can kind of switch him around like that. But I am glad that you brought that up just with the idea of playing Booker and Canard next to each other, because that's, that was my first thought. If if you're willing to give up uh, your first round pick, which let's just say that James Jones, since he became the general manager for the Suns, he seems to be willing to give up picks. Let's say that <laughs> he gave okay. up a pick to get rid of, t- uh, TJ Warren. It was a second round pick. Uh, he gave up D'Anthony Melton to get rid of Josh Jackson. Uh, and that's an example of the way that he uses assets to uh, improve the team. <laughs> and if you give up a pick, which it seems that they're willing to do to get Kennard, he has to be able to play next to Devin Booker at some point because it just, that's a first round pick. And if your first round pick is not able to play with your best player, that becomes a problem. I actually think that Devin Booker still can do what we call point book. Those point guard, you know, not maybe not starting the game, but throughout the game in specific situations, I actually think that does benefit him. But Monty Williams has done it very little. Uh, when all three wings in Cam Johnson, Kelly, Ura, and Bridges were healthy, there were lineups with Devin Booker and DeAndre and, and all three of those wings playing next to each other where Cameron Johnson essentially played a shooting guard like you described. And uh, that was like all we've seen right before Cam Johnson was injured. So very few minutes of that. So I think if the Suns traded for Canard, I think that might be an indication that they would be more willing to do uh, point guard Devin Booker more often. And uh, I actually would hope for that because I actually don't mind those minutes. I think there are situations, Ricky Rubio, uh, when he's off the, off the court, where you need to just surround Devin Booker with as much shooting as possible and try and just blitz teams offensively because maybe you won't have the best defense in those minutes but surviving those minutes as much as possible is kind of what the Suns need to do at this point
0: we're now going to take a quick break to tell you about our brand new sponsor bet online you miss your chance to bet on the chiefs fear not listener blue wire is excited to be partnering with bet online to help you win big no matter the time of year With March Madness, the Masters, and Major League Opening Day right around the corner, BetOnline has you covered for all your latest news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Plus, it's never too early to lay down that future bet for Super Bowl 2021. Head over to BetOnline.ag and use our promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's super easy, and if you're already making wagers, it's a fantastic way to support this podcast. That's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, when you sign up at betonline.ag. Bring your best bets home with BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So the, the, the Suns are 20 and 30 right now. Uh, the, their unprotected first round pick would be, uh, I think it's in the 11th spot right now is how much do you think the, you talked a little bit about James Johnson and valuing, uh, draft picks in order to make the team better. Um, you know, Woj didn't mention any protections. We've kind of like tiptoed around that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, do you, do you think the front office is going to put a protection on that first round pick, or are they just going to kind of expect that canard will make them <laughs> good enough to not be worth it?
1: Uh, do I think that they will? No, I think that there's a good chance that you'll get an unprotected pick, uh, for Luke canard. I'll be, I'll be hundred percent honest with you there. <laughs> uh, do I want them to? Yeah, I I think that I do, because here's the thing. The the lottery odds are flattened. We all know this. The Suns suffered from this pretty dramatically last season when they they went from what it should have been the third pick uh, to the sixth pick and then traded it for the 11th pick, pick, ironically. Um, So there's a chance that that pick could be a lot higher than 11 based on the odds that are out there. The lottery is just a little more even. Uh, Your ability to jump spots is larger than it's ever been before. So do I want a protection? Yes. And I think the protection, look, I'm not a draft guy. Uh, I really get into the draft late, like a lot of people who are into just the NBA. I don't really like watching college ball, but a lot of people have described this draft as a very bad draft. (laughs) That's what a lot of people have said. And I think their calculus on that is if this is going to be a bad draft and there's a chance that the Suns will not get a great player anyway, or at least a player that won't contribute right away. Uh, that's enough to make this trade. And here's the real reason why. And it's not a fun reason for a lot of Suns fans to hear. The Suns' number one priority is and likely should be keeping Devin Booker happy because players have more control than ever before. And the Suns are not... He's the one star. Like As much as we want DeAndre Ayton to be a star, it's not happening yet. Maybe it'll happen in the future. It's not happening yet. In order to keep their star happy, that means that they're going to try to get players that win now. I think that's the reason that they drafted Cameron Johnson. I actually think that's the reason they traded to get Ty Jerome as well, who has not yet contributed, but he's 21 when he was drafted, and he won a championship in his college career. He's the guy that's capable of producing early, hopefully. So I think they've shown a willingness to try and sort of sacrifice assets for what they would be traditionally valued as. Four players that can contribute right now. And that means that if push came to shove, I think that Detroit has the advantage on that one. Let's just say that.
0: No, that that's totally fair.
1: Yeah, I don't like it though. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at least top three. You know, I, I, because... Yeah, like or, or if, track, it, if
0: the pick rises, right? If you hit the top four, you yeah. still won.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So, so if you can try to protect it, I think that would be the smartest thing to do. But you know, I do want to ask you though, why do you think Luke Knard is even being shopped right now?
0: So that is that is a fun question. Um, I Luke has been out for the last seven, eight weeks now since since late December. So yeah, like eh, seven ish weeks with uh with uh knee tendonitis, um there is some concern that uh Luke is gonna be very highly sought after in uh restricted free agency in the coming months mm-hmm. um, he's extension eligible this off season um and you know restricted free agency the year uh the, the year after this one um the Pistons are looking to start a rebuild and it doesn't it, the appearance is that you know it looks like they don't want to start that rebuild paying Luke Kennard, you know, $15 million a year to right, be their right. starting shooting guard. Um, the other thing is that Luke has clashed with the coaching staff. There was a very infamous blow up he had in Sacramento uh, last season. Um, there's some thought that uh, he there's some thought that he has been. Uh, that there's some thought that he's he's ready to play and he's just not playing right now. Mm-hmm. and so there's there's a little concern about that ah, um is that for trade yeah.
1: trade reasons is that why you think that they're holding him out if if that were to be true?
0: I don't think it was initially for trade reasons. I think it was an issue like a a not like a a like a protest thing he wasn't he was his mm-hmm. role has like fluctuated between the starting and the and the bench, and he's been like very effective in the bench role, but you know as a guy who wants to get paid wants that extension it it behooves him to be in a starting role but the but the coaching staff like disagrees um and so like i could see that being a source of of frustration for him um like do i think like luke is like a problem in the locker room like no no I, i don't think that um but it it does seem like they and you know they found another guy who does a lot of what luke offers in in spima Luke, like though they're two hmm. they're not the same player but they they do very similar things and Svi has actually been better defensively and so the it, they it, i can see in my head like where the front office has uh envisioned luke to be like relatively expendable or not necessarily like expendable but like not extremely pertinent to a rebuild like over the next three years right
1: so that's from the team's perspective and I do yep. kind of get that I guess. Although you have cap space even when you're rebuilding as the Suns fans learned, you got to fill it up somehow <laughs> at some point especially if you start selling off every asset you have. How do you feel about Luke Kennard being on the trade block though? Do you think that's good for the future of the Pistons? Do you think it's insane or I don't know, it's just I was a little surprised that he was even an option. Of course we've been searching the entire league for potential trade options and and that was a name that never even came across what I thought would be an option.
0: Yeah, it's not it's not a it's not like a complete surprise again because like he'd been right. out and we we started to hear rumblings like late last week. So it's not a it's not a complete shock, but uh it is kind of an adjustment. We did kind of think like, you know, the if the team was going to rebuild, the the rebuilt team would be around like him and Seku Dumbuya. Now uh, if like if he's traded and they pick up another top 12 pick in the draft, like now we can see the rebuild will be around like those three guys. You keep your own pick. You get the Phoenix pick and the guy right. drafted last year. Right. Um, and like that, that like that does sound better. But at the same time, like it's a bit of like the the infamous like family like clip with the mystery box. It's right. like, hey, it's like we got a boat. It's yeah. like, but the mystery box could be even anything. It could, it could even right. be like a younger, cheaper boat. Yep. But it's like, no, Luka Nard's really good. And so it, it it doesn't make sense to just kind of trade him in for the mystery box.
1: What do you think his ceiling is? Like, how good do you think Luka Nard could be in the NBA? And uh, uh, as as a caveat on that, how do you feel about the nickname Luca Nard, which is what Suns fans are already calling him <laughs> because we missed out on Luka Doncic?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, that's got to be rough. Uh, so... <laughs> There were two things. We had, We got two nicknames for Luke. Uh, cool Hand Luke, obviously. Obviously, that's great. That's great. And then uh, there was, a, for a brief fleeting moment, uh, he and Derrick Rose were coming off the bench together and just like throwing teams. And so it was Guns and Roses off the bench.
1: Mm, I don't mind that. Yeah, that <laughs> I don't the- mind that. You got the Rose. And do you think that there's any... Ch- so you have that Tony Snell... The, the Detroit Pistons have that Tony Snell contract. Yeah, Um, I'm I'm guessing you're not a you're not a fan of that. Uh, Do you think that there's any chance that it could be worked out in a way where uh, Tyler Johnson's expiring this year? There is a scenario where Tyler Johnson can be added to the two guys that were being traded and the Suns could take back Tony Snell. Do you think there's any chance that we could do that and maybe add a much higher protection, like a top ten protection on that pick? Is that something that the Pistons would be willing to do, or do you think it doesn't matter if they're tr- going to start rebuilding at some point? They could just have that cap space in there with that Tony Snell contract.
0: So the problem with that isn't necessarily the protection, like that. That's a concern, obviously. But the main thing for that is like uh, Tyler Johnson makes so much money, and the Pistons are so close to the tax.
1: Ah, that
0: uh, that that might the like uh between javon carter and ellie Cobo make very little money right but the money they do make like would be eaten up by tyler johnson and so that would send the pistons into the tax right which they like don't want to do just absolutely don't want to do um so that would be that'd be interesting but uh you know if if, uh you would need to find a third team or you need to take something else you have any interest in uh, Langston Galloway? (laughs) You know, at this point, (laughs) I I don't know, maybe.
1: (laughs) It's really difficult. We're on three losses in a row, right? It is funny, as you know, I'm sure, how fans work. Uh, You know, like DeAndre Ayton will have a good game, and everyone's like, I wouldn't trade him for anyone. I wouldn't trade him for Carl Anthony Towns. He's DeAndre Ayton. He's going to be superstar. The Suns lose two, three games in a row, and it's like, You know, I was proposing a DeAndre Ayton, D'Angelo Russell trade uh, on Twitter after that because uh, you know things things vary so wildly. Uh, Even with me or any fan, really, if you're looking at how you feel about the team game after every win and every loss, uh, it varies wildly. So at this point, Langston Galloway, he might be an upgrade (laughs) over some of the players (laughs) on the Suns depending on the day. And you're asking me on a three-game losing streak, so who knows?
0: Yeah, no, I I I totally understand that. Uh no, one thing I one more thing I did want to ask you though is uh like what do you think uh Luke what do you think Luke Kennard will be worth to the Suns like in extension talks? Because like as I talked about like it, he will be extension eligible this off season. I do think that's something that's really important for him. Um like just looking at the Suns' uh cap sheet, they have a lot of room uh yeah, over the cap but under the tax. Um, and like with the Tyler Johnson expiring coming off like that, that seems pretty big for them. But at the same time, it does seem like you would want to re-sign Aaron Baines and like maybe you want to bring back Dario Saric mm-hmm. and that would eat into that available space. So like what kind of what kind of deal do you think you'd be comfortable giving Luke Kennard uh, as a son?
1: I personally would not be surprised if Aaron Baines was not. In his son's jersey in two days <laughs> it's, really it's just very possible I think at some he point was so
0: good for them to start the year
1: and he is g- good he's a good player he has the problem is is uh he's missed a lot of games he's missed uh, over twenty games it might even be close to thirty games so far uh this season, and even missing all of those games he's almost at his minute total for what he played with the Boston Celtics last year. And he's just not durable enough to sustain that sort of play. And that, of course, is because of DeAndre Ayton being out for 25 games. And if he was in the proper role, uh, it would be a perfect addition for the Suns if he can come back and play behind DeAndre Ayton like he was supposed to. And he would be great. And I do think he's a great leader uh, and he's a great mentor. But the team also has to think about long-term flexibility. And because he's so good, there's a chance that... Teams that are competing at the highest level will look to add him to try and, uh, you know, just get them over that hump to get a championship. Like, for example, the Clippers, if they were looking for um, somebody like that to come off the bench, especially if they're looking to trade Montrez Harrell. Not that Montrez Harrell would be a fit in Phoenix, but they would still need a backup center. And if you can, you know, if you can get something from the Clippers, that would be good, a good long term asset. It just wouldn't surprise me. I personally really like Aaron Baines and I would like to keep him just because I think he's a good, he's a perfect kind of mentor for Deandre. And I think he's taught him how to screen, which is huge. It's, it's one of Aaron Baines's best skills. Um, but I think there's a chance that he's gone. Dario Sharich is an interesting one. He's lost his starting, uh, he's lost his starting role to a really skinny small forward in Mikhail Bridges. <laughs> and he's Dario's a weird one. I think there's a reason he's been moved around the league a little bit in his rookie deal, uh, because he's very inconsistent with how he plays. I think he's a better defender than he gets credit for, and maybe a worse offensive player than he gets credit for. Uh, so I think there are ways to to actually make the cap space uh, make sense, and the Suns have a lot going into 2021 with Kelly Oubre dropping off as well. I think that if you have a starting backcourt of Ricky Rubio and Devin Booker, any team with Ricky Rubio needs another guard who can hit shots. That's like a necessary thing with Ricky Rubio for those times where Ricky Rubio is played out of the game by really smart defensive teams. You can put in somebody to hit shots in his place. And that means that Luke Kennard would be valued, I think more by the Suns than some other types of teams. So I think they would make the space. I'm not sure. I guess I'm not prepared to talk about how much money that would be until I get a chance to really watch him. If he does get traded uh, but I think that they would value him uh, pretty highly. I think that they would make a play to either try to extend him or definitely try to keep him once they do get into that restricted free agency. And that restricted free agency would come at, at a nice time for the Suns in that they would have a lot of cap space and they would own his bird rights so they can really go into the uh, above the cap in that 2021 season if they did decide to keep him. So I think he would be valued pretty highly.
0: Okay, okay. So what's the what's the plan for the rest of the season for Phoenix?
1: <laughs> That's such a good question. I think it's <laughs> it's so hard. If they're not. Here is what I will say. They're not going to tank. They're just okay. they're just not going to. Uh, so like
0: if if I get that unprotected pick, like they're they're not going to bottom out to give me a better no. draft pick. Uh, no, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I guess the the fact that the 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 pick is even pot- potentially being traded. Uh, shows that they're not going to tank. But the main reason they're not going to tank is because this is Devin Booker's fifth year and he does not want to tank again. It's already essentially been four losing years. And you know, out of those four losing years, at least three of them were losing on purpose. (laughs) You can maybe say his rookie year they were trying uh, to win. uh, But outside of that, it's basically been losing and losing and losing and losing and incompetence and incompetence and incompetence and incompetence. James Jones was hired. Before this season, to try and bring some sort of stability, uh, Monty Williams given a five year contract to try and steady the ship as much as possible. They're going to keep trying to win. I don't think there's really they're in bad they're in a bad position to make the playoffs. I will say that. But any acquisition that could help fix the minutes without Devin Booker on the court, like Luke Nard, would make a massive difference toward this team actually winning more games. Likely, they would not make the playoffs, but ending as the ninth or tenth seed that would be a huge that would be good for the Suns. You know that maybe that's not good for every team, but for a team that won nineteen wins last year, that's a pretty big improvement.
0: Okay, no that that makes sense, and it also that also gives you a good indication of why they would be more likely to forego protections on the pick. Exactly, if they don't they don't plan on losing anyway. Exactly, uh, it makes less less sense to uh, to protect the pick.
1: I will say they are a team that has been hitting with some pretty bad injuries throughout the entire time that Devin Booker has been on the team. Uh, You know, Devin Booker missed like 30 games last year. He's missed some games in the past. DeAndre Ayton has missed some games. Aaron Baines, even though you wouldn't think that would have a massive effect on wins, it does. The games that Aaron Baines doesn't play, we have a lot less likely chance of winning. Uh, So even if they continue to try to win games, (laughs) if the injuries hit, this team is not deep enough to continue winning games when the injuries hit them hard. So even if they continue to try and win, there's a chance that that pick could get higher than what it is right now.
0: Yeah, to be fair, Aiton didn't miss games because of injury. Right,
1: <laughs> not this year. Just, just <laughs> not- stupidity, really. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: All right, Mike. Well, that's everything I got. You got any more questions for me about Lou Kennard and his potential fit and like what's up with him?
1: I think I got a pretty good understanding of him. I appreciate you answering the questions I had cuz I do, you know, it's hard to it's hard to know every player on every no, team. No, absolutely. <laughs> and I did feel like I knew him pretty well. Uh it's just how much he can play at the point guard and how much you think he could play at the small forward position. I think that was the main thing that I wanted to know. So I appreciate you answering that.
0: Yeah, no no problem. And for for what it's worth, I can see Luke being very successful in Phoenix. Right. Um so much so that i am a little bit dubious about like how this trade is this trade is really if the trade goes down as currently constructed the big swing point is how well the t- the pistons can develop like Elliot cobo right and and so that that is the thing i'm i'm most like worried about as we move on uh plus like in the draft i had my eye on this other french point guard and so it's mm. like, are, are, it's like, are we going to end up with a surplus of French dudes now?
1: <laughs> Maybe that's the goal in the future. <laughs> I'll say this: Eliot Kobo might be frustrating at times, but I think he has a lot of potential. The, Javon Carter, for as um, frustrating as he can be on offense, I promise you will have fun watching him on defense. Oh, it yeah. is completely insane. He is a bulldog, just chomping at the bit at every moment. So you'll have fun with that if it does go down.
0: Detroit fans will absolutely love Javon Carter if yep. that happens. Any yep. any like bulldoggy defense first point guard, like they will glom onto that they're guy. The best. So I got I got no worries about that. They're the best. But, they're, uh, they're fun. <laughs> they are fun. All right, Mike. Uh, let the people know where they can find you, where they can find the timeline, uh, where they can find anything else uh, you guys are uh, covering for the for the Suns.
1: Yeah, you can find uh the timeline, obviously. The timeline of Phoenix Suns podcast, it's on all uh podcast apps we have a youtube channel as well you can subscribe to us the timeline on youtube um, i'm at protected pick on twitter feel free to follow me i promise you it will be less serious than this conversation that we're having right now i mostly just have fun <laughs> on twitter
0: <laughs> twitter twitter's better for fun absolutely. yeah
1: if you take it too seriously it's it's taking years off your life
0: exactly who needs that uh, and of course you can take some years off my life at last chance that's at <laughs> L-A-Z-C-H-A-N-C-E. You can also listen to my other podcast, the Detroit Bad Boys podcast, and read anything I have to uh, offer about the trade deadline on DetroitBadBoys.com. All right, y'all, this has been Pistons versus Everybody, and we will talk to y'all maybe later this week. I don't know. Trade deadline gets a little crazy. We'll talk to you guys later.